This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Put an inch on your friends with a Pussy Magnet. Welcome, welcome, my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. <laughs> Ah, can never help myself. Anyway, we're going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if you're ready, let's flap and do this. (laughs) Oh God, is there such thing as too many vagina jokes in the one intro? (laughs) Whatever, I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull the couch. It's the Lady Lounge. Ah, shit. Far out, woman. What's got sand in your clam now? Sand in my clam! Hey, labial love bugs. Welcome back to the lounge. I have a darling guest, Lexi, today from Alive to Enjoy. And I think I went on your podcast like, what, two or three years ago, Lex? Yeah, two years ago. Yeah, wow. Um, so I've finally gotten around to returning the favor and getting her on. And we're going to. We're going to do a bit of a sand in my clam episode, but I'm sure the conversation will kind of meander around to a few different topics because, yeah, this bitch has heaps to talk about and we are really aligned on a lot of things and there's a freaking fly. Got it. Um, <laughs> so do you want to just give a little intro to yourself, Lexi, and, and talk about what you do and what you're passionate about? Yeah, so I'm a love embodiment coach helping singles finding a love that feels like home and really nourishing and safe. I also am an international retreat host, which brings me the most joy, bringing people together, traveling, learning about themselves. I think that's all so much fun. A writer and a vibe curator. So I'm all over, the, all over the place. But basically, I just love connecting with humans and reminding them of their joy. Mm, so beautiful. I love that you really like practice what you preach and you really live live your message I suppose to sound a little bit <laughs> cliche and wanky um but yeah I'm always loving seeing what you're getting up to and yeah hopefully we can meet in person one day I'd love to do a retreat with you of some kind that would be epic a woman's retreat mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I can see that being pretty fun so when we were spitballing about topics, you mentioned something that really like resonated with me and I was like, oh, that's so relatable. I feel like a lot of people um, probably have some version of this or similar experiences. Um, and it's that uh, you were mentioning that when you were 18, you still hadn't had sex yet and you felt 
like all of this pressure um, because obviously people are probably like, oh, that's too old. Like I can't believe you haven't had sex. What a frigid, what a prude, I'm imagining. Um, and, you know, it really gets sand in my clam that this like external pressure culturally or societally leads to these internal beliefs that we have about our own personal timeline and when we're ready for something. And then that kind of influences us to do things sexually before we're ready. And it doesn't even have to be sexually. Like often it's, you know, peer pressure around, I don't know, like smoking or drinking or whatever. Um, But yeah, like we'll often do sexual stuff before we're ready and then potentially have like a shitty formative experience um, because we're not ready and it's not with someone that's really respectful and honoring. And then that sets us up for failure in future sexual encounters. So do you want to have a little like chat about your experience with I I hate like losing your virginity as like a term but you know back in the 90s that's kind of how we talked about it (laughs) yeah a little backstory is I grew up with a single dad so my mom left when I was five and so I just immediately didn't have any femininity in my life my dad does not have any emotional capacity even though he's a great guy he didn't know what he was doing or didn't know how to like help me in that whole realm. So I just always felt shame and confusion around my sexuality, my body, my period. I even got my period late. It was like 16 when I got my period. So so much unknown. I had my first kiss when I was 16 too. Another one of the like, let me just get this over with because... Yeah, and I just mm-hmm. basically was so shy and uh, yeah, nervous of boys because I didn't really know. And then I had this abandonment wound from my mom. And then I just remember everyone talking about like sex and I just made me like so – I was like, what? how do you know what to do? But without even being able to say any of these questions to people because I just felt so nervous. And also at this point, I had already developed a bunch of shame because I heard everyone else having sex and I wasn't. And I couldn't even like attract a guy to ask me out. So I was like, just so, yeah, so not good. And so finally I was like, I'm 18. I'm about to finish high school and I still haven't had sex. Like what's wrong with me? And I better just get this over with. Like, yeah, I was the prude girl and just didn't feel good. And I was, I just felt like something was wrong with me. Like didn't even get asked out really on homecomings or, you know, these dances that we have here in America. And Then finally, I, yeah, I was like, I was drinking one night and I was pretty much blacked out. And and I don't really even remember it, to be honest, but I remember it was like someone's parents' bed and then there was like blood on it afterwards. And the guy was like, wait, was this your first time? And I remember being like, no, 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 it wasn't. Um, And like denying it and then like changing the sheet, like he left and I like changed the sheets around so they wouldn't be able to tell. And just feeling shame and like, I don't even really remember what happened after that. That's like the only part I remember. Um, And then I was like, sort of relieved because he was really hot. But yeah, but it was still just like, okay, it is done with. But now I still don't understand what sex is. Like, I don't even really remember it. And that just like brought me more shame because I don't even remember it. And so, yeah, it was just a lot of like heaviness and confusion and sex wasn't this like magical experience and liberating and like safe and love filled. It was just like something to like check off the list because I'm about mm-hmm. to be in the college. 
And I oh my God. felt this pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it breaks my heart. Oh my God, babe. Even just the like, because we don't have as much of, uh, I guess, like, uh, in Australia, we don't have homecoming or prom or any of those sort of things. So there's a lot less opportunity to feel like, oh my God, no one asked me to be their date. Like, obviously there's still rejection and you, you know, you feel like guys aren't attracted to you or interested in you as much and stuff when you're a teenager, but it's not as like starkly obvious because there aren't these like big occasions that everyone gets like insanely dressed up for and like you need a date for like I've just seen it in movies and I'm like fuck that sounds horrible yeah for everyone except the really popular like attractive people that are all kind of like running the show and getting dates and stuff like it yeah it feels that just like made me wince a little bit for like poor like young Lexi who you know is already struggling with maybe some self-esteem and some self-worth and some abandonment like fuck what a recipe for insecurity and like no wonder you just wanted to get it out of the way and and tick it off yeah no it wasn't fun my high school in particular was like very clicky and yeah. Yeah, it was just not fun. <laughs> there wasn't a yeah. safe space. Yeah, totally. I um remember being incredibly nervous and just super shy around like intimacy and like I did not I probably didn't have my first kiss until I was like 15 and it was with a boyfriend that I'd been with for like quite a few months before I even felt like, you know, ready to kiss him. But before that I'd like, you know, gone out with dudes for you know, a couple of days at a time because in school it was just like, will you go out with me? And then if you said yes, you were boyfriend and girlfriend and that you didn't even go out. You were just like, that was official then. Um, and then they'd always want to kiss and I would freak out and dump them. And like, we had these things, we had kiss me bands and fuck me bands. And they were like, I don't know if you had this, it's really hench when I think about what it was, but like the kiss me bands were made from this like plastic kind of like seal insert that's in the top of like soft drink bottles and you would like chew out the center and get this ring of plastic and then like slowly like stretch it with your fingers until it was just this thin little like pale blue plastic band that you put around your wrist and if someone broke it if so like the boys would all come up and try to like break this kiss me band and if they broke it then you had to kiss them it's so ridiculous and weird like I don't know if this was just my school or just Australia and then the fuck me bands were like I don't even where know where we got them but they were thicker and harder to break but like yeah I was always just like shielding my wrists and because you had to wear them otherwise you weren't cool but like I didn't want anyone to break one because then you get put in this position of peer pressure and it was usually on the school bus where like everyone's watching and being like oh so-and-so broke free as fuck me bad and I'm mortified when I think about that like no wonder I was terrified and like really resistant and hesitant um yeah yuck hey that's awful yeah I'd actually completely forgotten about that until just (laughs) it's so weird that like unnecessary pressure and we're all just like confused and we don't have proper sex ed in school and it, we're just like, yeah, trying to figure it out. But are also like going through puberty, it's just so confusing. 
It, I hate that it's just so shame. Like our parent, like it would be so much better if we just like had normal conversation with our parents and friends about it when we were young. So we don't feel this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like it's such a big deal and it's such a delicate time. Like we're going through puberty. We're like figuring out who we are. We're developing a sense of self and confidence and self-worth. And most, I feel like most teenagers especially women have pretty crappy first experiences like it's really rare to hear of a good one actually um and so it's just devastating because then it sets them up you know for like one to have low standards um in the bedroom and kind of just think oh that's normal like it's not about my pleasure it's meant to hurt you know like foreplay just wasn't even a thing like yeah so I'm wondering like after that time where you just got it out of the way when you were 18 and you were drunk like how did you proceed after that like in terms of intimacy and how do you think that affected you that being your first time experience it was a lot of so after that I went to college which was a huge party school and so it was I was blacked out like four days a week um and all of my sexual experiences from then were also drunk and I remember some of them quite well and the others not as well. <laughs> and my first like sober sex was a th- junior year of college. So all the ones before that, it was definitely like, also it wasn't like going on a date first and having sex. It was just like, yeah, like party finding someone. There was like, I also didn't have that much sex. Um, it was just a few, like, I think I had sex once my freshman year and then my junior year, maybe, if, or my sophomore year. I know it's different for you guys, though. that's just what we call it in America, <laughs> but um, yeah, a few times my sophomore year and junior year, and then I had like a consistent hookup and that was the one I was sober with. He'd never wanted to call me his girlfriend though, but we were together six months, like every single day together. Um, so that was like the first like like sort of safe I felt and more like started to understand pleasure a little bit more but it was still yeah sex was never like this like beautiful thing for me it was more yeah just like I feel like I should and once again felt more shame I still hadn't dated anyone yet and even though I was like dating this guy he didn't want to like actually date me and he even like told my friends once like I would never date Lexi and it was like what the like I didn't know this till afterwards he said this like after we've been together for like five months and he told her and she didn't even tell me till like two years later and I was like oh my god like literally what is going on with me right so um yeah sex was just it was just not very a fun thing for me and I I didn't even want to share with my body with many people because these men were so gross at my school they're just like such frat boys um so yeah, it's sex has just been like a weird thing until very more recently. Like, yeah, the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Fuck. That sounds horrific. I wonder like how, what was the turning point? Like how did you start to heal your kind of relationship with sexuality and like learn how to feel pleasure and feel comfortable and confident in your body? Because I know that you've like told me you've had massive periods of celibacy but that didn't mean that you weren't also really sensual and sexual and embodied um did you like self-pleasure or like nothing at all like how did you kind of come to like healing 
you know, around sex. Yeah, it wasn't until after college where I had some like good girlfriends and they taught me that girls can masturbate, which I literally had no idea that was a thing. I was like, wait, what? And then I remember trying to do it and I was like, it doesn't work. Like I'm broken. Like it's not working for me. And then later I found out like I actually did have an orgasm. I just didn't know that was it. And yeah, I was just super confused and also so shameful. I'm like, I don't even like my girlfriend's like, I, I masturbate every day. And I'm like, what? So I still like, and I had so much shame around my yoni, just like how it looked and just no connection to it. And I think like living in Australia, like changed my entire life, but I started to connect with so many more open-minded people and learn about my femininity. And then I did a yoga training and that was the first time I like connected with my body, like not realizing that I have a body and I get out of my mind Mm -hmm. and sort of go through my trauma. Um, and so much unraveled from there. And then I think it was just being inspired by like, then I was like, oh yeah, no one's coming into my body. Like this thing is precious. And, and then I started to just fall, see like these women on Instagram that were so empowered. And I was like, oh, how is that even possible? Like, you know, how, how can they be like that? And I thought like, oh, they're just, it's just, they're lucky or they had good parents or I like made up all these stories. And I realized like, oh wait, we all have the same shit. It just took some work. And so then I just started to do some like self-love practices, started to like try to get into my pleasure more. And then I had my first boyfriend when I was 23, 20, 24 or something. So it was still really late and it was not even like how I got into a relationship. It was that we were good friends and I felt like, okay, my standards are too high. I must just, I should just get into this relationship because I haven't had sex in like two years and I haven't dated anyone. So I think like I'm just superficial. This is what people are like telling me and I'm like internalizing it. And then I'm finally realizing like I wasn't even really attracted to my first boyfriend, but nor was I like emotionally, but I was like, okay, he like really loves me and he wants it. So like maybe I should. And I did that. And he did teach me like a lot about loving myself and he loved my yoni and like he he showed me a a sense of love that I didn't know was possible. And so I learned that from him. And, um, and then I just, yeah, started like learning more from these, these women that were inspiring me on Instagram, like doing the things they were saying online and just starting to develop a better relationship with my body. And with this partner I had, he also like, we had really beautiful and like amazing sex. Well, what I thought was the best I could have, but like, it was finally like something that was more safe. And so yeah, that showed me like, oh, wait, sex is a little bit different than what I've experienced. Hey, babe towns. So sorry to interrupt, but I simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've got to get around. It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, and support from a community of labial legends. So head over to the links in the show notes and I'll hopefully see you in there. And now, back to the episode. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy like what we learn to just think is normal and as good as it gets. And then, yeah, I I find it like really frustrating and sad how low so many women's standards are. And like, you know, even just that there's this um, trend on TikTok that I've been hearing about where people are calling out 
um, they're beige flags. So like instead of red flags that are really obvious, like with dudes, they're talking about beige flags that their partners have, which are like kind of not super bad, but not great either. And I'm like, well, firstly, what a fucking boring topic, just like beige flags, like why? But then you start seeing what these people are talking about as being beige and you're like um babe that's a fucking bright red flag like the fact that your standards are so low and you've settled for such you know such a subpar kind of level of relating and intimacy and connection like is really sad because those beige flags might seem beige to you but to me who like you know knows what's possible and what you should be expecting for yourself like they're red. They're totally red flags. Like, why the fuck are guys getting away with like just such pathetic efforts? Um, and it's because we don't value ourselves enough. We don't know that it's possible. Like, we don't hold them to a high enough standard. Um, and I'm not like man hating, but it's just, it's true. Like, we are settling for so much less than what we deserve and so much less than what men are capable of. Like, mm. you know, it's, yeah, it's such a shame and it's such a shitty culture. Um, where we're really getting the raw end of the stitch. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy, and I learned that. You know, I started to really learn that in that relationship too, and just see like, oh wait, it wasn't my standards that were wrong. <laughs> it was just, that, yeah, it's just what I actually like. People don't have standards. That's what I realized. I was like, oh okay, mm-hmm. it's different here. And a lot of these men don't have them like don't change because no woman is telling them to so why would they change they don't know any better and and I realized it's my responsibility to set boundaries and to tell them how I'm it's making me feel into that's where I learned about my codependency and my people pleasing and I realized like oh like I should actually be using my voice in these situations and Mm. and and then I you know also yeah learned about my sexuality and like because I've always I remember when I first like went bra free and it felt so liberating, but like my boob size, you're not allowed to be bra free, quote unquote, because they're too big. And and then, and then I did this one program and I just learned about like the patriarchy and misogyny and, and realized that like my body is my body and how much conditioning there is. And it's just, there's so much to it, but yeah, it's fascinating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think like being, being uh someone who who really stands by you know your boundaries and your standards and like leading by example and and sort of yeah not just settling is super important because you do get peer pressured to settle um a lot of people who are in kind of situationships or like kind of shit relationships that aren't really meeting their needs but you know they don't have standards and they think that's all that they can get and they think that that's all that men are capable of you know they don't like to see anyone else doing anything different because then it makes them look at their own situation so like it's really common I find like among women to have like pressure being like oh you're just being too fussy oh your standards are too high like who do you think you are to be like trying to you know get more than the rest of us or like think that you deserve more and I think that's such bullshit um, and it's just another form of like crappy, you know, peer pressure coming from conditioning. And um, if you're kind of like holding men to higher standards and you're showing like, you know, those around you what you expect and what you deserve, like it's a bit of a transmission that you're providing them as well. But, you know, I find like 
<sighs> certain friendship circles or certain like just kind of like pockets of society like it's so normalized it's so fucking normalized for like the women to all get together and bitch and whine about their husbands and you know have friendships among their girlfriends and then their husbands are just for like I guess like you know having obligatory sex with and having kids with and providing or whatever and you know they're not actually friends with their husbands like they're constantly frustrated and like settling for shit behavior and then the husbands are like oh my wife's so naggy and blah 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 and then they talk with the boys and it's such an outdated kind of dynamic and I forget that it still exists but it's actually still like way more common than what I see as normal and what I'm used to um and it's so sad because like where I grew up in a little country town, that was normal. And if I had stayed there and if I had stayed in my kind of earlier relationships, that would be where I'd be at. And I'd be kind of gossiping among my girlfriends and whinging about my husband or ex-husband by that point probably. And it's just, yeah, it sucks because we're kind of not bringing one another up. Like we have a, a tendency to try to keep everyone else down with us if we're kind of down. So, it's great that you kind of like, yeah, tapped out of all of that and, and learnt how to value yourself more highly. And then, of course, you start attracting men that are going to be able to meet you there because like you're not settling and you're not saying yes to like anything that's not honouring and feeling great for you. Mm. Yeah, and it's, I mean, there's so many layers to that. But yeah, definitely like there's so much repetition of the cycle. And when you do stand out, like you're, you, there's a lot of loneliness and not settling. Like, let me tell you, it is not easy. Like yeah. first off, there's a, sadly, there's a smaller market of people and also like mm-hmm. people to resonate with you, even on like a friendship level, it's hard. And so like, you have to be okay with like the solitude and that can be really yeah. challenging. And then you start questioning yourself, like, is this even possible? But that's why it's, I found it so important to have either actual friends that are in healthy, loving relationships or have expanders online where it's like, well, you know, you never really know, but you can feel it. I can feel it at least like of people that are in these good relationships. And that like would anchor me in like, okay, this is possible. How can I hold the vision of what I always known has been true in my heart? Like I've always dreamed of like such an extraordinary love. And so it's really about like holding the faith that like, if I can show up in that way in partnership, why would I not be have someone able to match me? Like that's impossible for not like, we know how the law of attraction works in this world. So like, of course it's possible, but yeah, you have to go through some loneliness and then just like the tests you get with men, for me, men, how close they are, but like, they're not it. And you have to say no. And like mm-hmm. the universe is just so funny and tricky, but yeah, I think it's really important to just remember too, like when you're holding on to someone that's not satisfying you, like you're also with holding them from finding a love that's actually aligned with them. So you're doing both of you a disservice. And it's, I think it's just so important to remember, like there are really aligned people for us and to trust in that. Yeah. I think trusting in it is just the trickiest part, especially when it's going on for a long time and the universe keeps sending you like you know, not quite right. And you're like, oh, maybe this is the last chance I'll get. Maybe this is as good as it gets. And maybe I'm being too fussy and I'm expecting too much and I should stop being an uppity bitch and just fucking be happy with my lot. And it's like such a vicious 
mindset to have, but it's kind of encouraged. Like, especially in Australia, we have a lot of tall poppy syndrome. So it's really encouraged to stay small and not to try to reach or strive or be too ambitious because everyone around you is going to be like, Hey, stop growing so tall and drag you down. Um, because then it makes them feel bad about their situation or reflect on like what they've settled for that they're not really happy for, happy about. And, um, and I just feel like, you know, so many men like actually do want to do better and have deeper connections, but, you know, if we're not holding them to a higher standard and we're not kind of like showing them what we need from them, um, we're just allowing, like, you know, we're kind of perpetrating this same dynamic to just continue on indefinitely and neither of us are learning. We're not feeling satisfied. You know, they're kind of getting, getting off pretty lightly without, and it's like, it's a disservice to them as well. Cause it's like so possible for men to meet us in a space of like depth and emotional intimacy and connection. Um, and deep down that's what they want. Um, obviously not all of them. Uh, but yeah, it's like a bit of a travesty that like, we're not expecting more of men and therefore they're not having to try harder or to grow. Um, Whereas we're constantly expecting more of ourselves and trying to change and fit into different shapes for, you know, other people and to be attractive and to attract a partner and stuff like this. And it's just really like imbalanced, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think we forget, like I learned a lot in this last relationship I was in that yes the masculine leads if you let him like in a typical masculine feminine role but like our feminine leads through spirituality and through the standards and like can guide the the masculine to to show you like you teach him how to treat a woman almost in some ways and like you like you're saying like you help him learn that like he can actually do better and that fulfills him so much more knowing he can be a better provider take care of you better and like they actually love that feeling they just have never experienced it and slash a lot of men do not have self-development communities and friendships like us women do where we're always bouncing ideas off each other and learning from each other. Like men sadly don't have that. And it's not that they don't want that. They they really do, but it's, we have to lead in a feminine way and also not like a nagging, like you need to do this, you need to do that. Cause that's not inspiring either, but it's really like a art form of, of the union of you two. Like we're both teaching each other things too. And he taught me more how to be in my feminine. I was, I thought I was quite feminine, but I was a lot of ways I wasn't still in my feminine, which is obviously hard nowadays with us women also having our own businesses and being entrepreneurs. And I was masculine my whole life because I grew up with a single dad and like I was super independent. And yeah, it's just, it's not saying that that's the only way to do relationships, but I do find like such beauty in that like polarity of the masculine feminine energy and like really like we're just so uneducated on how to do it. Yeah. And there's another thing that I wanted to touch on before we wrap up that you'd mentioned because it kind of goes back to um, what I was talking about with, you know, when our formative experiences of sex or intimacy are shit or dishonoring or unconscious because we're not really in our power and choosing. We're kind of either pressured or we're too drunk to really make an informed decision or we don't remember it or whatever our bodies, like the more those experiences happen, which is so common throughout college, uni, like when we're younger, 
Like it's it's just really common. It's really mainstream to be having pretty disempowering sexual experiences. Not that we think of them as disempowering at the time. We're too fucking young to even grasp what an empowering experience might be because we're just like, we're fucking adults. We're having sex. We're empowered. We're like, you know, we're not. Um and what what happens, like what I see with a lot of clients um, who are coming to me like with vaginismus and with painful sex and with like difficulties orgasming and all of this stuff, like it's stemming from basically ignoring the body's needs and um, not being a good gate, gatekeeper for our yoni. And you it started experiencing with like a particular partner, like your vagina was like closing up. Like do you mm-hmm. want to like tell us about that? Yeah, that was really interesting because yeah, that was my first long-term partner. It was the first time I like really was feeling good in sex. But then I started to notice like, I mean, our relationship was going to shit. Lots of emotional abuse. He was super depressed um, to the point of suicidal. And I felt like I had to stay because he was suicidal. And then it was just like when we had sex, it was like, it would be good in the moment. It would be the only time of the day where he was like, really present with me and really like slow and I was like oh wow I feel so loved and seen but as soon as the like orgasm happened out of the bed broom like ran off and zero aftercare and I didn't know in the moment but I was just like this feels like shit and like I feel like I'm just being used for sex and I'm like why don't you give me like even how he kissed me was different while we were having sex like it was like Mm -hmm. actually passionate and and all the other time, I'm just like, quick pack, bye. And I um, slowly, towards like the middle of the relationship, like my vagina actually closed off. Like 100%, she was like, no. And he he was quite wealthy. And so he took me to like all these different doctors. He's like, let's figure this out. Because he had a very high sex drive and like no sex for him was like not good. So that was another thing that was not aligned. Like I wasn't even trying like to have sex because I didn't even feel good in the relationship. Right. So he took me to all these doctors and they're like, there's nothing wrong. Like you just have a really tight pussy. Like I uh, tried dilators. Um, and I was like, I don't know. And then we went to pelvic floor therapists and like, they were both like inside massaging my pussy. And it was, it was like a fun experience, honestly, but still nothing was really happening. And then I was just like, whatever. And then we finally got a couple's therapist and she was teaching us like, why don't you just like non-sexually touch each other? And we try this exercise and oh my God, my whole body softened so much and was just like, whoa, like I was soaking wet. I was like, wow, I actually want to have sex with you now. And so I was like, oh, maybe it's a safety thing. But then like legit a week later, I couldn't do it anymore and I broke up with him. And right after that, I like literally I was open. Like the doors were open. I was safe again. And it was just such a crazy experience. And I was like, wow, my, my lovely, thankful body was just protecting me because like, this was not a safe relationship. And, and my bot, your body is always telling you like, always, always, always. And I also like broke out in like this massive rash, like two months prior, like there were so many things happening in my body that were like, alert, alert, you do not feel safe. And I'm just like bulldozing it and not even sure what's happening. And, and yeah. And so it's, it's like our womb are so wise. There's so much wisdom in there. And the more that we can like be in tune with it and listen to her and yeah, it's really important. Like safety is like the essential for sex. And I don't think most women have even experienced safe. Like a lot of women I've talked to my friends, I have a friend that 
she hasn't even been able to have sex because her pussy is so tight and she keeps choosing men that are unsafe and she's it's just mm. oh it makes me so sad it makes me so sad I know yeah me too it's just yeah it's really heartbreaking and so many women have like the bad boy kink where they like they they're you know on a shallow surface level are attracted to the bad boy and the danger and the the risk and the mystery but actually like you know have probably never experienced true safety and don't understand the value of that and like how that translates to our nervous system and our and our vagina our orgasm it's so dependent on safety and sure you can probably have some pretty like kinky exciting um, experiences without safety especially if you're that way inclined which you know also often comes from different wounds from when you're younger and trauma I'm not going to go there though um, but it's just really sad to me that you know we don't understand how important safety is you know in the role that it plays in our pleasure and feeling feeling secure enough to surrender feeling safe enough to surrender um and what a massive difference that makes like in terms of vulnerability and intimacy and deeper connection and then having access to deeper pleasure and orgasmic experiences through that vulnerability and that surrender like it's so fucking important and um our bodies are so wise like if we're not giving it that safety you know, often eventually it makes the decision for us and it clams up. And then we have like vaginismus, we have, you know, these issues with like our vagina just being like, uh, uh-uh, nope, I don't want to let anyone in. And, you know, your body all of a sudden is like, it's really, um, you know, discordant with like what your mind is trying to tell it to do and try, you know, you're putting it in all these positions that it doesn't want to be in and it eventually turns on you and it's like all right well I'm just gonna have to take control and then we wind up with these you know painful sex and these like patterns of contraction um and it's funny because most people will like go through all of these other things that it could be and they'll go to the pelvic floor specialist and they'll go to like the doctors and the gynies and stuff being like what's going on what's wrong with me and it's probably in a lot of cases just as simple as like you know there isn't enough safety or there hasn't been enough safety and we're not being gatekeepers to our, our yonis and our bodies just decided enough's enough. Like it doesn't want to be continuously put in these situations that don't feel safe or honoring or respectful. Excuse the interruption, my loves, but I'm shamelessly seeking reviews and five-star ratings for the potty because as I'm sure you've noticed by now, it's pretty fab and the more people who get to hear it, the more people it can help. Reviews and ratings help me carry favor with the algorithmic gods and get suggested to other listeners to check out. Plus, they make me feel really good and appreciated as I continue to pour my heart and soul into creating this baby for you. And I promise I don't maz over them or anything. I mostly just tuck them away for a rainy day when I'm filled with self-doubt and existential dread about being self-employed, which is fairly frequently. (laughs) So you see, leaving a review really does make a difference and it's an easy little act of support that you can take in just a minute or two by either going to Spotify and leaving five stars for the show or writing a written review and leaving five stars over on Apple Podcasts. Choose your poison, or if you're a real overachiever, you could do both. Whoa, now. If you are writing a review, though, just be sure to only use G rated words because, despite the fact that this is a podcast about sexuality, words like sex can be censored and your review won't actually show up. 
lame. Anyway, oh, oh, what was that? Oh, you're going to go do it right now while I wait. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. May as well just quickly click that five-star button before we get on with it and, you know, like forget about it and get on with your day. Um, um, oh, I'm hearing them roll in. I'm hearing those five stars. <laughs> Oh my God, I make myself cringe. Anyway, uh, thank you much, Lee. You're a total gem and I'll let you get back to the episode now. Yeah, it's actually crazy that it's that simple and that it's so sad that not even the doctors realize that. Um, But I do want to share one beautiful experience with my last partnership. He, I've never felt so safe in, in romantic or physical intimacy. And he would do aftercare like I've never had ever in my life where after, first off, his main priority was to give me pleasure. Like my orgasms mattered. Like he didn't even care to orgasm. He just wanted me to orgasm, which was like, holy, like this is new. <laughs> this is amazing. And then the, my favorite part was afterwards he would hold me for as long as I wanted, like just in silence. And literally my body would soften to a level it's never softened before. And I'd be like, okay, like you don't have to anymore. He's like, no, 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 no. As long as you want, I'll be here. And I was like, wait, what is happening? And it was just so beautiful. And I, it was the first like true moments of surrender in my body, not in my mind, but like full body surrender. And I just, just knowing that that was happening every time after we had sex was so healing. And I'm like, wow, the amount of women that have probably never experienced this. And it feels so good to feel that safe in sex because it makes it a whole different experience. And like, yeah, it was just really beautiful. Oh my God. It's so healing. It's so fucking healing. And it's, it's sad that like most of us do have that initial kind of like training or response in us that's like oh, oh oh that's enough you've cuddled me long enough that's okay you don't have to do that anymore like I don't want to take take too much time or be too needy or demanding like we have this like internal clock that's just like all right that's enough now um but he was just like reassuring you like no take as much time as you need and like there's something so healing about like every single time being reassured that it's okay and you're not asking too much And like it is, it's devastating that not that many women will actually get that experience. Um, And also not many men will have the experience of knowing like the, this really deep, like beautiful feeling of being able to hold space for someone and allow someone to soften and, and go into the most vulnerable place in themselves because of, you know, their presence. Like that's such a gift to be able to give. And it obviously makes us feel amazing when we give gifts. So like the men that are really good at this, like they get just as much, if not more uh, value and pleasure. And like, um, it's like affirming to them as like a man and as a person to be able to provide that for you. So it's kind of like this two way street. And that's what a lot of us don't realize is like, we think we're taking too much or we're asking too much of this other person. Um, but like a lot of the time they're like really getting a lot from it as well. Cause you know, your vulnerability and your trust is a gift for them and that helps them feel better about themselves too. Yeah. Yeah. Men love it. Like they, and they, <laughs> he, he especially like it brought him so much joy to be that for me. And 
and and I didn't even know that was possible or you know available like he taught me that and so it's just so beautiful like when men that's it's that's what I'm saying it's not like men are evil or women it's just like we just are not educated on these things yeah yeah totally yeah okay well beautiful great chat I feel like we've covered a few different things from where we started thank you so much Lexi thank you so fun I'm going to pop links to your work in the show notes. Everyone should check out Lexi's work. She's, yeah, just a ray of sunshine and also authenticity, which I really value. Like it's no bullshit and, um, yeah, she's really raw and and vulnerable and honest with like the way she shares and, and shows herself in the world, which I feel like is fucking rare on social media. So, yeah, I really appreciate that when I see that in someone else. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. And that's it, darling hearts. Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode, or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.